Your experience at Joy Church will be unlike any church service you have ever attended before. We are not about religion. We are about a relationship with God the Father through His Son, Jesus Christ. At Joy Church, you'll hear live and vibrant praise and worship music. You will be loved and encouraged. You will be confident that your children will learn about Jesus in a fun and safe environment. You'll be assured that your youth will be loved and accepted not only for who they are, but challenged to become who they were created to be. At Joy Church, God's Word is delivered through creative, humorous, and relative teaching that will help you apply the Bible to your life. There is a place here at Joy Church just for you, where you can begin to develop a vibrant and exciting relationship with Jesus Christ and discover your divine destiny. Get ready as Pastor Jim teaches on the abundant life because you make a living by what you get, but you make a life by what you give. And if you're ever in our area, we would love for you to stop by. Check out our website, www.joychurch.net for service times and events. We are in installment number three of a series that we're very excited about called Abundant Life. Love the subtitle because you make a living by what you get, but you make a life by what you give. As I just mentioned a moment earlier, none of us want to just simply exist. We don't. You know and I know if in your heart of hearts you want to make a difference for the Lord. And Jesus Christ did not create you as a believer to simply exist. John 10.10, 10, the Bible says the thief, talking about the devil, comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus came to give you life and it more abundantly. Everybody say abundance. That word abundance in the Greek language is the Greek word plusios, and it means abundance in quality and abundance in quantity. God never created you to simply exist. He created you for abundance, to make a difference for him. Yesterday, we were at the outreach, as I shared with you. We fed all those 1,600 people. Can we encourage our uh, mobile kitchen team? Awesome. A big church can make a big difference. You need to know that. Excited about that. And I, and I had somebody who was part of the serving team uh, just come up to me and said, I was just proud of him. I told him, I said, I'm just so proud of you. You're making a difference. I, I, I just believe in you. I appreciate you doing this. He said, Pastor, I just love the church. You've been coming uh, for a while now, maybe six months, a year, something like that. I'm not sure the exact time. But he just said, I want you to know something, Pastor. And I was with my son. And I, he said, I want you to know something. He said, man, you, the, the church is just, and of course he's talking about the Lord, but, you know, the Lord uses people. He doesn't mystically come down and minister to people himself. He uses people. So he said, I just want you to know the Lord through the church has done so much for me. He said, I used to be a heroin addict. And he said, now I'm free. And he said, I want you to know. He said, now I'm the spiritual leader in my household. And he rolled up his sleeve. He said, see that? And he showed me the tracks where he used to mainline. My son was there. And I was so glad that he was. Because you know how it is. You know, I got a, he's 13 now, and my son's grown up in church. Got saved when he was five. So, you know, when you grow up in church, you know, you never know all that or see all that, and you just kind of, you know, you know church stuff, church words, and, and, and you know, how, how many of we have our own Christianese? You know, we have our own way we talk, you know, praise the Lord, and all this stuff that we say. 
that other people really can't relate to. But if we're not cautious, we can know our mother church and not our father God. I'm so glad that he saw that. So I was able to walk him back to the car and say, son, I said, you see that? That's what Christianity is all about. Not just about going to church, although that's a huge part of it. This is where we tank you up. But as soon as this church service is over, that's when you, the church, begin. This is not. The building's not. The church, you are. Nothing holy about this place until you walk in. I have four people that believe that. And listen to me, that's what Christianity is really all about. It's not about simply existing. It's not about just going to church, although that's very important. That's where you get tanked up. But it is then taking in and then giving out so that a guy that was hooked on heroin can now be hooked on Jesus. Because there's no high like the most high. That's what it's all about. And listen, you ushers, you greeters, you got folks working in the children's ministry, you're all a part of getting that guy free. Don't just think it's me. I just play one role. I'm just up here with a mic. But every one of us plays a part in that if you're part of this joy team. And you need to know that. God doesn't want us just to simply exist. That's boring. He wants us to have life and it more abundantly. I'm a big college football fan. Any other college football fans out there? I was talking to Derek. He's a big one. Got a lot of you here. And that's nothing wrong with that. I'm a, I'm a big college football fan. Now, if when your team loses and you're bummed out for two weeks, then it's got you. You don't have it. And, I mean, some of you, some of your teams, man, you'll be bummed out a long time. If they, <laughs> you live here in Nashville and you wrote for the local team, you're going to be bummed out all the time. <laughs> I mean, come on, tell the truth, tell the truth. So, so there's nothing wrong with college football. I'm a big college football fan. But how many know, ladies and gentlemen, life is more than just college football? Oh, there I said it, blasphemy. <laughs> uh, there's a place I go uh, in South Carolina. We go on vacation there, and there are a lot of Ohio transplants. I'm, uh, I'm Ohio, uh, born and, and raised in Ohio, so I'm a big college, I like that right there. I'm a big college football fan. You can guess my team. I've only been bummed out four times in the last four years. Getting a little cocky up in here, and a little cocky up in here. And so, and, and, and so there's a place we go when we're on vacation for the opening game, and that is uh, all wall-to-wall my team. And, you know, when it's, when it's, Football season, and, and I'm all into it, man. I, and I'm ready to go. It's about a month away. I'm having withdrawals. I'm ready to go. And so we go to this place normally for the opening game, you know, because we're on vacation, so we have a good time. And, and, and normally during the game, I mean, I don't want you asking me a bunch of questions. You know what I mean? I mean, I'm focused. I'm the official team intercessor <laughs> and chaplain in my head. And so, you know, my wife, she's cute. When she's with me, she'll ask me these questions, you know. Now, I hate just what she said. She said, why does that guy keep running into the pile? <laughs> you, you know what I'm talking about? I, I, I was like, honey, I don't think he's trying to do that. I, I really don't think he's trying to. She said, well, I don't think they should do that. I hate that when he just runs into the pile. <laughs> Maybe he should just run around the pile. I'm like, honey, shh. Football. 
So normally I'm not into, you know, a bunch of questions. I'm focused. I'm praying. You know, I'm ready to go. And, and, and so, and we're at this place in South Carolina, and the place is jammed, and there's only one seat left in the house, just one. And here comes this guy, and he says, he says, sir, there's only one seat left in the house. He says, you mind if I, I sit here? And I said, sure, no problem, buddy, no problem. And, and the game started, you know, and, 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 and things are cooking, and I'm focused, you know, and I'm interceding. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. And, 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 and so, and I'm focused, and, and, and I had a couple of my staff guys with me. And so they were calling me pastor, you know, pastor this, pastor that. And so the guy leans across to me, and all of a sudden now we're in the middle of the game, first quarter, and he's got tears in his eyes. And he says, you're a pastor? I said, no, 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 no. <laughs> I don't know why they call me that. They don't, I don't, I don't. I don't understand. I'm kidding. I said, yes, sir, I, I'm a pastor. He said, oh, my. Tears begin to well up in his eyes even bigger. He said, I got to tell you something. He said, he said all, he's a single dad. He said, all my life, I, my whole thing, my whole life has revolved around my son. Got one son, single dad. I've raised him from the beginning. And he said, I, I'm here. I'm from another state, but I'm only here to drop off my son to college. Now, this was his whole life, not a believer, didn't know Jesus Christ. So his whole life was his son. Everything was wrapped up with his son. And now he dropped him off in college. He had an empty nest. And he was out in a harbor that I know of there in South Carolina, and he was out on a pier looking out into the ocean and just empty on the inside because his purpose in life was now gone, empty on the inside and crying out to something that he thought might be God. And he didn't pray like you guys, you know, in King James English, oh, goddess who is between the cherubim. <laughs> he just prayed from his heart. And he said, hey, God, if you're out there, I need to know you're real. And so he heard pastor. And now he took it as this is God showing him he's real. And so he said, you're pastor. And he had all these questions for me. Now, remember, the game's going on. But now, there is no game going on. Not for me. Because I love college football. But that's not life in it more abundantly. You understand that? Plus, my team was kicking their butt, so whatever. <laughs> they didn't need nobody to pray. And so he began asking all, all these questions. You know, well, how, how do you know there's a God and is the Bible too? All this deep stuff. You know. What's the difference between Christianity and every other religion? Da, 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 da. And I was answering every single que question that he had. And, well, how, what, and I was talking to him about grace instead of working for it and all, all, on and on and on. And I said, now, are you ready? I gave him an answer to every question. Are you ready to receive Jesus? I mean, the game's going on. Are you ready to receive Jesus right now? He said, well, no, i got to think about this. i, I got to process this. I said, Okay. I get it. I'm not going to force it down your throat, but I want you to know, when you are ready, here's how to do it. And I said, now, here's our church phone. Here's our church email. I want you to call whenever you're ready. About a week later, uh, we got a phone call. I wasn't there, and they left a message. The guy left a message. said, you tell Pastor Jim, Romans 10, 9 and 10. Now, if you don't know that, that's the verses where you can get saved off of. And so we emailed him back. I said, did you, I said, did you receive Jesus? He said, I sure did. 
Now, folks, that was obviously wonderful for him, a matter of not, not hell and going to heaven. But I'm going to tell you who else it was wonderful for, me. Because there's nothing so fun as to know that you're being in the middle of nowhere in a football game, being used by God Almighty. And listen to me. That's life. And it more abundantly. And it's not because I'm a pastor. It's because I'm available. And you can be too. God's not really looking for your ability. He's really looking for your availability. So let's talk about it. Let's jump into Abundant Life so we can really understand what it's all about. Our last number of weekends, we've been giving you five aspects of abundance. And we covered number one. You remember number one? Check it out. The altitude of abundance. And we saw from Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 21. We won't go there for time's sake. But Jesus said in verse 19, and, and I love this, he said, Don't lay up for yourselves treasure in or here on this earth where moth and rust can break through and, and, and begin to corrupt it, and thief can break through and steal. But do lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven where moth or rust cannot corrupt and thief can't break through and steal. And verse 21, because where your treasure is, there, the altitude, there shall your heart be also. Jesus knew something very important, that hearts automatically follow where we invest. And he says something that was powerful because both those words lay up in the Greek language could be translated in the Greek language hoard. So he said, don't hoard here on this earth, but do hoard in heaven because wherever you continually hoard, your heart will follow. Wherever you continually invest, your heart will follow. How many know normally hoarding is not good? Check it out. is the mute. There we go. Now, Billy Bob. You're right. Where is the mute? We have a problem. I'm sitting right next to me. Look, you have got to get some exercise. I do get exercise. Up, in, out, down. Billy Bob, you are overweight. You have a weight problem. I do not have a weight problem. I have a hoarding problem. My stomach hoards food. Yeah, he's got a hoarding problem. Not good, but when you hoard in heaven, it is good. Remember the two life points that we talked about that really tie everything together? Life is not about covetous living, but life is about covenant giving. Second thing, and it really encapsulates what we're trying to say, is there's coming a time when all we have left is what we've given to God. That's why I'm so big on you guys getting involved in the joy team. Again, not for our sake, but for yours. The second thing that we talked about, not only the altitude of abundance, but we also begin to talk to you about the attitude of abundance. We saw a very favorite scripture of a lot of folks, 3 John 2, where the Bible tells us, the Bible says, Beloved, above all things, I want you to prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. And the body of Christ primarily has emphasized 
uh, beloved, I want you to prosper and be in health, the health and the wealth. But that's not what that verse is emphasizing. It is emphasizing the prosperity of the soul. When your soul prospers, these things, the financial blessing and the physical blessing, that comes as a byproduct of your soul prospering. We saw from Genesis 39 and verse 2, we saw Joseph, as he went in as a slave, had no money whatsoever, but yet God called him a prosperous man. We also found in Revelation 3 and verse 17 where the Laodicean Christians were full of money, but yet God called them poor. Therefore, clearly, poverty and prosperity is not really an issue of the wall. It, it all begins in your heart. Do we have an attitude of abundance? Is there an oasis on the inside of you? Because if there is, wherever God drops you, that oasis will begin to come out of you. If God drops us like he did 13, 14 years ago in a place called Mount Juliet, Tennessee, where there was only the micro hotel and the Waffle House, man, if there's, a, if there's an oasis on the inside, eventually it will come out. If there's a Belks on the inside, eventually it'll turn up by Providence. <laughs> there was a Belks on the inside of my wife, and now here it is. But you get my principle. I hope you see that very, very clearly. And we begin to talk to you about not just pursuing the things, but pursuing wisdom, pursuing enhancing our capacity for prosperity. We begin to talk to you about six different ways to do that. We got through five last week. Remember, number one, look at life from your position, not your condition. If we're ever going to change what's going on outwardly, it's got to start inwardly. Second thing that we talked to you about was your outward circumstances will never outperform your inward condition. And I watch all kinds of people trying to get a hold of this without changing anything on the inside. That's huge. Third thing that we talked to you about is, as I mentioned before, prosperity and poverty begins in the heart and eventually shows up in your life. And then the fourth thing that we talked about, you hated. Remember this? A rich person who is stingy is just a poor person with money. And you still hate it today. Thank you. Number five, we talked to you about don't be a pursuer of money. Be a pursuer of wisdom. The money follows the wisdom. If you chase the money, it will always be out of your grasp. But if you chase the wisdom, the money will begin to follow you. That catches us up to date. Is anybody ready for more? So let's grow together. Number six, and I tell you, I've never discussed this as length in the 13 years of being your pastor. Just touched on it here and there. But you're going to grow in a big way. Number six, this is huge. Properly balancing the contentment with desire. Listen to me closely. If we're going to develop our capacity for prosperity, we must understand these both these biblical truisms. This is huge. Because the Bible teaches both of them equally. They do not contradict. They complement. And if we don't get the balance, we're going to be caught over here or over here in a ditch. Let's talk about it. You know and I know the Bible teaches you about desire. Does it not? God has no problem with your biblical, ever say biblical, with your biblical desires. Mark eleven twenty four. 24, what things soever you desire when you pray, 
Believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Love that verse. The Bible says, Proverbs 10 and verse 24, the desire of the righteous will be granted. Everybody say desire. Uh, Psalms 37 verse 4, the Bible says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. The Bible is very clear about biblical, everybody say biblical, desires. Listen to me. This is huge. There is nothing wrong with you believing God for more and better as long as that more and better is biblical. You say, well, I'm single and I need a wife, and so I'm believing God for the pretty girl, the leading the praise and worship team. You, I don't care if you have that desire. She's mine. She's been mine for 26 years. You can desire her all you want, but I desire to punch you in the throat. In love, totally in love. So biblical desires, more, better, that's fine. But you also have to understand this complement in the Bible. It's called, watch this now, contentment. And the Bible just as equally teaches that. Remember Philippians chapter 4 and verse 11, where the Bible says, in whatever state I'm in, I've learned to be content. Everybody say it's a learned thing. And you have to learn to be content. It doesn't come naturally. Uh, the Bible says, First uh, uh, Timothy 6, 6, godliness with contentment is great gain. Ever say contentment. That's huge that we understand that principle of contentment. How about this one? Hebrews 13 and verse 5, the Bible says, be content with such things as you have. Now, doesn't that seem to pull at one another? Here's this desire, biblical desire for more and better, but yet here's this over here teaching you contentment. It seems to pull, but I want you to find the beautiful biblical tension because they're perfectly blended if you have the right pastor. <laughs> Turn to your neighbor and say, all right, I'm ready for the pastor to teach me. Just tell him. Come on, just tell him. Okay, I have the most disobedient congregation in the whole. Can we try it again? Say, I, tell, turn to your neighbor and say, I need my pastor. Turn over here to your, your other neighbor and say, hey, second choice. I need my pastor. You need your pastor. And this we're going to help you blend these things together because they're both Bible truths and we got to get it. So I'm going to give you nine. Everybody say nine. Nine desire dynamics and contentment concepts. I snuck them in pretty good. You ready? We're going to blend these things together because you need to have that if you're going to live the abundant life, if you're going to develop a capacity for prosperity. Number one, check it out. Learn to be content with your contents. We just moved into a, a new house on Friday. I, I, I thank you for being kind to me. Where were you at moving day? It's easy to clap. Uh, and so we're blessed. And, and, you know, I'm 54. We've been married 26 years. And we started out in real cheap apartments when we started out in the ministry. And, you know, this is our third house. And I want you to know something. Listen to me closely. Each house has gotten better. And I'm thankful. But I want you to know something else. I was just as happy in the apartment as I am in a new house. And I'm not just talking preacher talk. I have four people that understand that. And here, here's what I mean. Listen to me closely. It's not the house that makes the home. It's the people in it. You can have the most beautiful, gorgeous house in all of Nashville, and if there's strife, 
and bickering and fighting and throwing dishes. Doesn't matter. You cannot, I cannot put a price on peace. Now, I'm going to tell you, my wife seems to kiss me more in my bigger house. So I'm all about the kisses. But I was just happy in the apartment. At some point, I've got to learn to be content with my contents. That's imperative that we understand that. 4G, 5G, 6G, at what point are we just going to be happy? With Jesus. Second thing goes hand in hand. Don't try to keep up with the Joneses. The Joneses' credit cards are macked out. You know I'm telling you the truth. I, we, I watch this race that we get in with our neighbor or whatever, and, and don't do that because you don't know how the Joneses acquired that. <laughs> they, might be, <laughs> they might be saying, baby, you got to take out a third job. And th number three, you will tie it in perfectly. Get it. Watch this. Plastic prosperity is not true prosperity. Nobody, nobody likes this in America. Nobody likes this in America, and it's not. Listen, I'm going to tell you right now, being debt-free is not about just sin. I'm debt-free. I'll tell you what it's about. It's about freedom. We were just, I was just talking to someone back there. We were just at a conference in Alabama. I came back with a banjo on my knee. I had all my Buckeye stuff, you know, on my car, you know. Man, you could tell people are hating me down there, just hating me. Because we were the last team to beat them. And, and I go, I gotta behave, I gotta behave, I gotta behave. And, and, and so uh, they'll be mad at me already. And so, so we were down there in conference, and I, I finally found another church that handles their finances like we do. I'm all, almost identically, and I did, was not aware of the church until recently. And they've got, they're just out ahead of us, they're, they've got 44,000 folks on like 19 campuses. Just, just crazy. And, and, but they handle their finances like we do. They, they budget just like we do. You realize, and they're debt-free just like we're debt-free. All of this, 10.5 million including the land, debt-free. Uh, did you notice the progress we're making on our, on our outreach building? Those of you that are guests today, we're building an outreach building. Very excited about it. It's not for us because I can't stand selfish Christians. Thank you for your enthusiasm. <laughs> you know, it's true, man. So many Christians are just consumed themselves. With one minor exception, this entire world's population consists of someone other than you. I can't. That's my pet peeve. I can't stand it. And, so, and I watch a, a lot of churches, they turn into, into communal. You know, everybody, I got to have this, and 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 I got to have this. Pretty soon, we're just hanging out in our own little commune, making our own little vegetables, uh, having our own militia, and here we are, our own little thing. And Jesus' last words were not stay ye, it was go ye. Is, is any ye listening out there? Now, I'm, listen, as long as I got breath, I'm going to keep singing that song because I cannot stand. The most miserable believers in the world are self-centered believers. Going to heaven, but you never know. It's so important that we continually reach out. That building we're building is not for us. It's for the community. I'm not, I got some work to do. I can tell by the response. I got some work to do. But, boy, that's important. Jesus is a giver. So is this church. 
So I want you to know that we're always going to be that way. And God, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, God wants it that way. So uh, listen, debt-free, that's, this. thank God. And we, they were debt-free down there, we're debt-free. Uh, my, my wife, my, ourselves, personally, we're debt-free. No car debt, no house debt, nothing. Say, so, oh, oh, I knew it. You must be taking a lot of money. Listen to me. It's not what you make, it's what you do with what you make. And listen, listen to me also, please. There are some really smart, smart businessmen and women out in the house. And you know and I know, I am tired of pastors getting up here and telling you that you ought to be debt-free and telling you that you ought to give, and yet their churches are, are up to debt uh, to the eyeballs, and they personally are up to debt to their eyeballs. There's a disconnect. If you're a smart businessman or woman out there, you, at some point you, you turn off. I do because I'm not a dummy. And I just go, man, you're preaching about it. You ain't living that. So check out. So I learned a long time ago, I'm not sure not a perfect pastor, but I'm going to endeavor to live consistently what I teach. This house is debt-free. Our lives personally are debt-free. And the issue is not yada-da. The issue is freedom. The issue is now we can help others. That's what it's all about. Classic prosperity is not true prosperity. Number four goes hand-in-hand. Hand. I want is better than I owe. And turn to your neighbor and say, I hate my pastor. Just hate him. That is no fun at all to hear, but isn't it true? I want is better than I owe. Oh, man. Because you know I know how we are. We're Americans. I can tell by the response right now. People are digging their heels in. No, we're Americans. We, we want mic, uh, microwave maturity. We want drive-through breakthrough. We want it. We want it now. But I want is better than I owe. Number five, check it out. Remember, there's a difference between quality of life and standard of living. If you want the abundant life, you've got to understand that truism right there. You've got to. Difference between quality of life and standard of living. What do you mean, Pastor? Well, listen, you can have the sea dew. God's not mad about your sea dew. If you want a sea dew, be blessed. But if that sea dew costs you, you've got to take, do another job, and it costs you spending all your time with your kids. There's a difference between quality of life and standard of living. And your kids are way more important than that CD. Yeah, but my kids want the CD. Your kids need you more than they need the CD. They need to see you more than the CD. God's not against your CD. As long as that's fine and budgeted and you can handle it and don't cost you a second job and all the time away from your family. Number six. Be healed of someone's sickness and get over destination disease. Pastor, what do you mean by that? I watch so many people, they're suffering from one of those, someone's sickness or destination disease. Oh, if I could just connect with this guy, if I could just meet John Maxwell, everything would be fine. I would be, I, everything would be wonderful. Or, or uh, destination disease, you, you know what I'm talking about. Um, when I, when I, when I, when soon as I get to college, then I'll be happy. As soon as I get married, then I'll be happy. Whenever I get that raise, then I'll be happy. Whenever pastor finishes his sermon, then I'll be happy. <laughs> when will someone be happy now? Right now. Before you get to college, before you get married, before you get the raise, before you get the new job, before you find a career, how about now? it might be a little bit of a wait. 
If you're ugly, it may be a long time before you get married. <laughs> Come on, we're just having fun. We're just having fun. Just keep smiling because you, cause you, you think I'm not talking about you. <laughs> he ain't talking about me. <laughs> yeah, right, okay. <laughs> Number seven, focus on what you do have, not on what you don't have. That's huge if we're going to be content in life. That's huge. It's so important where we focus. You know, I tell the story. I've told it before, but I got the mic, so 